welcome back to the Anti-Football Podcast with me, Thomas Millman, and Luke Griffin. Uh, today we're going to be doing an FA Cup review of the third round, where Tottenham Hotspur travelled to Marine and Newcastle United travelled to Arsenal, uh, which were quite two quite contrasting fixtures. Um, we're also going to do a quick preview of Spurs and Newcastle's next games in the Premier League, uh, so we'll get straight into it. Uh, so straight away, we'll just start off with um, Tottenham Hotspur travelled to eight-tier Marine. Um, what were your thoughts on the occasion as a whole? Obviously, it was it was kind of like a, a magic of the cup feel. Yeah, I mean, it was the biggest mismatch in uh, FA Cup history, first division against eighth division. So obviously, it's uh, it's sort of the definition of the magic of the cup that anyone can play anyone, and sort of you know you have semi-pro f- footballers playing people who are on you know hundred thousand pound or more a week um you know gareth bale and etc you know so it was an exciting game and obviously you expected a spurs win um as i said before you like you'd be very worried if that didn't happen and i was slightly concerned before the game but um no it was a fairly easy game as you'd expect but you know it was enjoyable um and i think it was just like a enjoyable experience i think for everyone involved and just like a good proper like magic of the cup feel which I think a lot of people would say that that feeling has sort of died down over the last couple of years um like during the 50s 60s or whatever it was like even later than that I just think it was such a massive thing whereas now it's sort of like a it's a side side show to the Premier League yeah 100% uh, I think it was it was a uh, 160 odd places if you added all the like the leagues it was 160 like two places between Tottenham Hotspur and Marine going into the game I agree it was it was a really intriguing match to watch from a, from a neutral perspective because it, it just it's one of those things as you say like it doesn't happen very often and it was it was quite fun to watch it was good to see like people it was quite nice to see like fans as well in their back gardens watching the match it was, it was a, it was a nice sort of like feel to the game um yeah it was a weird aspect of that obviously seeing people in their gardens which is obviously quite fun but um oh it would have been great to have people actually in the stands obviously that's not possible at the moment but so it's just poor timing but um like any other year this would be a, like one of the highlights highlights of the season i think just for football in general i think it'd be a really big event um it was still good but obviously could be better in terms of that yeah yeah, but from a financial aspect, it worked out quite well as well because they sold so many tickets, virtual tickets. Uh, I think it was thirty thousand in the end, uh, which was which was good for for the for the club, for Marine especially. Um, and I thought for the first twenty five minutes, well, before the first goal, first twenty three minutes or four minutes, they actually gave a decent account of themselves. They didn't look too like it wasn't it wasn't as though they like couldn't kick a ball. It was it was obviously obviously I know that they, that's not what it's like, but I watched quite a lot of that but uh it, it was um it, it was good it was good to watch uh and then I bet your heart was in your mouth slightly for the uh the crossbar when uh, Joe Hart seemed slightly unsure of his bearings and just decided to leave it to smack off the crossbar from 35 yards yeah that was a, a nerve-wracking moment just in terms of it was an excellent shot a uh, great strike from their player um and yeah Hart just I mean it, I know it moved and it dipped late on um so hard but you still expect him to do better with it but obviously it was it was all right in the end um but I, yeah I mean I've watched a lot of non-league football before and probably um especially last season I watched lots of it and I've sort of 
in terms of like scouting watched like a lot of different levels and I think a lot of people unless you watch non-league like proper non-league um regularly it's hard to really grasp what level it's going to be like and I think it's the same for like a lot of Premier League fans who only watch the Premier League Champions League like international football you sort of lose grasp of what like League Two or proper non-league football is like because I think people some people were not being disrespectful, but just I think underestimating sort of the standard of football that it is at like semi-pro level. Um, I think people, like you say, almost acted if, as if they weren't going to be able to kick a ball. I was like, no, they're they're all going to be fairly decent footballers. So yeah, it was it was a fun game, and like it's not like we were absolutely going to just embarrass them and then not be able to tackle us or kick a ball, as you say. Yeah, no, it, it was it was a good game, uh, and they had they had a couple of as you say a couple of decent players who I thought. Didn't, didn't did gave good accounts themselves. I think the left back uh, James Joyce looked looked good, and then they had the Kaney. I think it was the guy who hit the crossbar, the trainee plumber. And I I like how all the TV um, companies always absolutely love talking about what jobs that people have when they're talking about uh, <laughs> when they talking about the match. I think it's quite interesting. But um, from a Spurs point of view, we'll we'll cover a couple of the players, a couple of the talking points from the game. Um, Obviously, one of the main uh, sort of like history makers, so to speak, in the in the team uh, who came off the bench and scored was uh, Divine. Uh, what did you think of that? Uh, obviously, it's it's really good sort of sign towards the future. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I've haven't been able to see much of him because obviously he plays under 18s. He made I think a few appearances under 23s, but um, you know, from all, by all accounts, he's a really talented player. And when we signed him from Wigan, obviously they're struggling financially at the moment, which gave us the opportunity to get him. I'm in contact. I know the, I think he's one of the high up guys in Wigan's youth academy. And he was saying how highly he's rated within their system. And like, you know, he was a big part of his development and disappointed to see him go. At the same time, obviously proud to see him uh, take such a good step forward in his career. Um, He is one of the players that I'm looking forward to seeing how they develop over the next few years. Hopefully people don't put a load of pressure on him. Obviously, he's growing at 16, year old, 16 years old. is exciting, but um, don't want to be putting too much pressure on him to sort of make a state for the first team soon. But I tweeted earlier how over summer, like, I remember people, like before we made a lot of our signings and it didn't particularly look like we were going to make many at one point. Um, and people were sort of complaining about signing him and like people saying, like, oh yeah, lacks ambition. I was like, well, that makes no sense. Like we're planning for the future. We're signing a England youth international for you know half a million pounds which is like nothing in the grand scale of things of a big six club um so yeah I, I'm really excited to see how his career continues really yeah no it's interesting you talk about pressure I'm I think that's when Jose Mourinho or whoever's the manager if he in, in the next few years at Spurs will become important because I don't I think definitely Jose wouldn't let wouldn't sort of expose him too too much to that sort of thing. Um, and I think the way in which he, he Jose likes to play his sort of tried and tested team at the moment, especially, I don't think you'd, you'd see too much of him being sort of like thrown in at the deep end, so to speak. And I think this was a good type of game to sort of give him a bit of an opportunity and show him to the fans a bit. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's, just, it's a perfect opportunity for him to play and get given a chance where loads, a lot of people are going to see him and, um, you know, I said in a preview that I'd like to see sort of him or Dane Scarlett um, given a chance. Obviously, we've seen a little bit of Dane Scarlett in the Europa League, uh, which is also good to see. And I'm glad that Ryan got the chance. And obviously, he took it well and looked really promising when he came on. And just to see him get a goal was really good. Um, 
obviously he was very happy with that. Yeah, I mean, I think any, anybody would be, to be fair. It was a well-taken goal as well, to be fair to him. It was, it was a nice finish in the post. Another one of the magic of the cup sort of stories coming, coming through there. There was a lot of them surrounding this game. Another player that I think we, we've talked about a decent amount on the podcast so far for someone who doesn't actually play that often for Spurs um, at the moment is Dele Alli. Um, he was he was given a, a chance from the start today, as probably expected. I would I would I would imagine. What did you, what did you think of his performance? Obviously, it was interesting that not too long ago he was playing for like MK Dons, sort of like under twenty threes, and then came through and then came broke out suddenly onto Spurs and and did so well. Um, what did you think of his performance? And what do you think it could like indicate about his future? Yeah, I mean, I've seen reports that we're not going to... That he definitely won't be leaving this January. Um, I don't know how trustworthy those sources are. Hopefully that's the case. Um, obviously, yeah, as I said before, I have a lot of faith in him as a player. Would like to, you know, obviously he has dropped off recently and I think Mourinho is challenging him. And I do trust Mourinho's management in that sense and the way that he did it with Ndombele. And it's not going to work every time. Um, and it is up to Delhi to sort of step up and prove that he wants to be here and is going to do well here um, but I do have faith that that can and will happen and I think you know last night showed us some of the, like, the quality that he has but I mean it's the quality his quality isn't in question I think everyone knows that um, it's just whether he can like really show us that every week and pick up the performances and his training uh, performances that Mourinho wants him to um, but yeah last night you know I expected him to start and he did and I um, which I was happy about and you know he played well um the, I think the second goal, he played a great ball into Doherty, then got assist for Vinicius. And, you know, he just, in the final third, he showed himself his creativity and sort of technical ability with his passing into the box. And uh, just a very strong overall game. Yeah, he, you know, is quite a classic. Delhi in terms of, you know, losing the ball a couple of times, he don't really want them to. Um, but that's part and parcel of his game, really, with taking risks and trying things that other players might not. Yeah, I think... As, as you say, I don't think his quality can be questioned and, and ability as a footballer. I think when it comes down to Delhi, I think a lot of the conversations and I think what uh, Mourinho challenging him about is, is the attitude sort of aspect of his game and the psychological way in which he approaches matches and, and training. Um, I, I did see a couple of questions about his, his sort of attitude in, in the game against Marine. I think I, from what I saw, I saw the first half and I saw he... he played well and he's creative and he, he can be the type of player that fans love to watch because he does, as you say, try things which other players might not be willing to. Uh, but yeah, I think a huge, huge aspect of his development and his future, whether that be at Spurs or another club, will be surrounding his sort of mentality and psych- psychological sort of bearing of, of where he stands on in sort of in the squad and then wherever he goes. Yeah, that's definitely it. I mean, as we said, he's got the quality, it's just whether he can actually step up and prove it. Because, you know, he's not a really young player anymore. He's, I think, 24. And at this point, he needs to really, like, he should be starting every week, um, really. But if he's not deserving it, then obviously he shouldn't be. Yeah. But I think it will be interesting to see uh, over the course of the next half a season, maybe season, depending on how long he stays or, or what happens uh, on how he responds to sort of the, the, the gauntlet, the challenge that's been laid down by Mourinho in the way that he's sort of 
not played him and how, how their relationship's been during since since Mourinho's arrival. Um, another player who scored a hat-trick in this game was Carlos Vinicius. Uh, not seen a lot of him uh, at Spurs, only some sort of like rough cameo appearances. Obviously difficult when you've got uh, Kane ahead of you in the pecking order. Uh, what did you think of, of his performance? Um, yeah, what, what, what were your thoughts about uh, him in this game? Yeah, I really like Carlos Vinicius. I mean, he hasn't had tons of minutes this season, um, which has been a bit disappointing somewhat. Um, and, you know, I talked before how I think he should be used more of the bench to sort of give Kane a bit of a rest. But yeah, whenever I have, when he has been on pitch, I've really liked him. Um, he's shown he has a lot to his game. You know, obviously he had a good game, got into good positions against Marine and managed to score a hat-trick, um, his first one for the club. And yeah, because we still have the option of whether we want to buy him in uh, summer in the, the the option fee is 45 million, uh, which is a lot. And I'm, I think a lot of Spurs fans do want us to take it up. Uh, I'm not especially keen. I think as much as I like him as a player and he does seem good, I do have questions over just the value of that transfer fee. Um, and he is, by the time we get to summer, he'll be 26. Uh, I think people do think he's younger than that. Um, but I do like him as a player and also he took his chance when given minutes by Mourinho on the pitch uh, last night. Yeah, well, I find that really surprising. I didn't realise that he was going to be 26. I hadn't followed his sort of transfer. I also didn't realise he was on loan. I hadn't really followed his transfer and arrival at Spurs at all. Uh, I thought he was younger. I thought he was like 20, 21, um, which I find, yeah, very surprising. 45 million is a very, very big price tag for someone that has not is not going to probably have a lot of game time this season. And then it depends what the plan is with him in the future at the club. I mean, how, how old's Harry Kane at the moment? Uh, ooh, tw- 28, I want to say. 28. So Harry Kane is like two years older than him, basically. He's, he's, still he's 27. 20, he's 27. So, yeah. Yeah, in summer. So he's around two years older than him, than, than Carlos Vinicius. And unless there's a huge transfer, I can't see Kane like dropping off for a while or, or leaving. So I don't see what bringing in Carlos Vinicius for 45 million really does. It's also interesting because if you do go out and try and find an alternative, you've got to be able to find an alternative that is willing to play almost second fiddle to, to Harry Kane in that Spurs squad. Uh Obviously, it's a, it's a good team and playing European football and, and doing really well. But at the same time, it would would questions over how much game time you would get. Yeah, well, obviously, signing for Spurs, you know that you're going to be second fiddle. And yeah, I think Vinicius obviously knew that coming in. But at the same time, I think he would have expected some more minutes than what he's currently he's had so far. Um, obviously, there's still a lot of games to be played. Um, but yeah, I did expect him to have a bit more of a role in a team and sort of does make you think wonder uh, sort of what Mourinho thinks of him so far um, but just in terms of strikers if, if we don't sign Vinicius then we'll have to sign someone in the summer and I think there would be better value but you know it's hard to find quality who is happiest on the bench um, and we do have younger strikers coming through and if Carlos Vinicius is the right quality he's that sort of player we want to be back up the cane and then with Kane's injured he's ready and very able and more than capable to step up into the team um, so he has I think he is a very good player for our squad. It's just, you know, I know I said the other day how fans shouldn't worry too much about uh, transfer fees, but I do think that is, uh, we would be overpaying slightly and I think there's better value out there. But again, if 
depends what's available. And you know, we've seen you know Moussa Dembele from uh, Lyon is currently going to Atletico for thirty million. That, there's a lot of value anyway in a French league, but especially at the moment with sort of the uh, financial issues within the league, that there's going to be a lot of players going for um, lower values than you probably expect. Yeah, I think one hundred percent. The key word there is is, is value, because uh, obviously. There is that that question that I shouldn't worry too much about what clubs are spending on on players, but as you say, it is important to realise that if you could get someone better or more suited to the role that they want to play in the squad for a ch- cheaper amount, why wouldn't you go and do that sort of thing? It becomes sort of a, a question of what is the sort of yeah forty forty five million for for someone who is going to probably likely sit on the bench for the next few years and apart from maybe some injuries and things would be uh, a real sort of it's a tricky one to justify I would say um, another player we, we're talking about this this match this was a repeating theme is that is a great chance for players who haven't played a lot of football to get an opportunity uh, the final player we, we're going to talk about is, is Jensen Fernandez. Um, what, what, what are your thoughts on him another, another player on loan uh, long-term loan what, what, what do you think yeah, I, was, I, I forget that Gedson's even at the club most of the time. And personally, I, I was a bit annoyed that he actually started last night because, yeah, maybe he needs a chance to prove himself, but he hasn't played at all this season. So obviously, um, Mourinho doesn't think that he can play a part in our squad. Uh, so I almost didn't really see the point of using him today. Um, I thought that his spot could have been used by Jack Clark or... Um, even Bergwijn to just give him another run of games and try and boost his confidence and that's who I would have liked to see um, so I didn't personally didn't really see why he played Yeah exactly I think it's with all due respect to Marine, even if he had gone in and played exceptionally well it doesn't really prove a lot about his ability in the, in the, in the team I think obviously it, it shows that he, he can play well against that quality of opposition and in a one-off game in the FA Cup, I don't think, I don't see what Mourinho could have really like, or the Spurs like coaching staff could have really learned from it sort of thing. So as you say, I don't see why you wouldn't give someone else a chance if Jensen's not in the long-term plans at the club. Yeah, exactly. Like Jack Clark is someone I think who people did thought would might have had a bigger impact in the squad um, since he joined from Leeds. And, you know, I think we managed him quite poorly last year. Um, with sort of two loans which didn't really well he didn't particularly play that much um, and then this year we've kept him at the club so far and he hasn't played particularly much um, which is again disappointing and last night would have been a really good chance for him to play um, and give him the chance to start on the wing and uh, yeah I just you know gets in such just like an insignificant part of our squad who when we signed him I thought was a decent signing just in terms of like a two year loan uh, where with a you know quite a big fee at the end, but you know I was it's a low risk because if he doesn't impress in those two years, then you just don't take the fee. Um, but if he does impress, then maybe his value is actually higher than the optional fee, and then you get him on a bit of a bargain. But obviously it has it hasn't really worked out. But you know there's not really a problem with that. It hasn't really affected us too much. But um, it does sort of feel wasted a bit him being at the club. Like he might have had to go back to Benfica. Um, you'd imagine. Yeah. So, with all these new players playing, um, 
well, not I say new players, different to the to the regular starting eleven playing. Um, it was a five 0 win in the end. In the end, for Spurs, comfortable. How important is the FA Cup for Tottenham Hotspur this season? We've talked a lot about the the Carabao Cup uh, as you are know, finalists in it. Um, and would winning the Carabao Cup lift any pressure to do well in the FA Cup? Obviously, Mourinho is known as being a very good sort of cup manager. Uh, what, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it definitely it lifts pressure off the club as a whole, as we talked about the Carabao Cup does. Um, if we win it, that is, you know, uh, sort of do that first. Uh, but if we do win the final, then, yeah, obviously it's a big step forward for the club and just in terms of, you know, getting that um, sort of off our shoulders and having a trophy after such like a big drought. Um, and then, yeah, obviously if you win, then I think it builds momentum to look at the FA Cup and think, yeah, I mean, we won that one, we can win this one. Um, and it is the, the more significant trophy. So obviously it would be brilliant to win as well. Um, and to finish the season with two uh, domestic cups would be brilliant. Um, and then if you have a good go at the Europa and the Premier League as well, that's a added bonus. And I think that once we get the taste of the Carabao Cup, I think the FA Cup, if we get um, a nice run of games again, would be a very uh, appealing option for us. Um, yeah, I, I agree. On the flip side, you have a very, very tough opposition in the final of the Carabao Cup. If you don't win the Carabao Cup, it's just a final at the end of the day. It won't be remembered that well. Is that then big added pressure to perform and go on and do well in the FA Cup or the Europa League? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, there's pressure on every competition. Um, I think you know, with the whole, with the way the club's um, done its business in the last 12 to 18 months, silverware's definitely been the priority and that's, you know, that's what you want when you bring in Mourinho and that's the sort of his selling point because um, it's not to play good football um, and it's definitely results-based and that's, you know, if, if you get the results, then great. And if you're not, then you have serious problems um, and you need to really look at what you're doing. And if you're sacrificing uh, what the fans' enjoyment and still not getting results, then you're in big trouble. Um, so I, you know, I don't think the cups pressure relate too much to each other and how much. But like, yes, there's pressure to do well this season, um, and whichever competition that is in. Would you say for the ambition for the season, you talk about how um, you, they were bringing in the, in the in the business that they've done that it was geared towards winning some sort of silverware. Is the bare minimum at least one trophy this season? Will it be a disappointment for Spurs fans if uh, Spurs aren't able to win any any competitions this season? Yeah, definitely. I think we've put ourselves in a really good position, obviously from the start of the season, but then to you know good results in the league, um, had a fairly comfortable Europa League run so far, and a good draw for the next round. Uh, obviously, got put ourselves in the final, and then. FA Cup's only just begun, but yes, we're through to the fourth round um, and you'd expect us to hopefully go further. Um, so yeah, there's definitely a lot of expectation. And after, you know, we did spend a lot of money in the window and we brought in Mourinho, who obviously is known for that. And so I think, you know, the expectation is there to get something. And if we don't, then it's going to be a big worry. People want to get the, the first bit of silverware just to kill off that drought and then you can sort of build momentum from there. But at the moment, it is a bit of a sticking point. Yeah. 
Well, it'll be interesting to see how that develops as the season goes on, and we'll be covering it in detail, I'm sure. Uh, the next talking point, um, Newcastle United travelled to Arsenal uh, in, in the FA Cup third round. Um, it was a hard-fought game, really. Nothing. It was it was it was a game of few clear-cut chances. In the end, probably Newcastle had the best chances in normal time, with Andy Carroll missing two guilt-edged opportunities. Um, it went to extra time, and then it did feel as though Arsenal probably had the the momentum and the, and the legs and the sort of confidence going into into the extra time and then it was Emil Smith Rowe with a, a good finish uh, on the half volley followed by Aubameyang killing the game off in the, in the second half of extra time and it finished 2-0 to Arsenal hard to really talk about Newcastle in, in the in the cup because there's just so little expectation surrounding the club at the moment uh, in, in any competition it's almost the exact opposite to Spurs uh, the likelihood of Newcastle ever winning a trophy this season seemed miles away. And the quarterfinal, yeah, it was a disappointing uh, result. And I, you know, I think Newcastle gave an okay account of themselves, but it wasn't definitely a good performance. He did well to really take extra time, and I don't think Arsenal were great either. But it obviously, was it didn't really fill you with any confidence, um, especially when you're playing Arsenal again in the Premier League scene. Uh, but just looking at this game, a few individual players, uh, obviously Andy Carroll was given a start up front after scoring in his last appearance. Um, what did you make of his points? Um, I saw a lot of people being really positive about Andy Carroll um, and the commentators especially seemed to absolutely love his performance uh, for, for us in, in that game. Uh, what he does bring, he, he does bring sort of aggression, Aerial presence, high, it sort of uh, can relieve pressure from set pieces, can pose a threat in attacking set pieces. Um, and generally, he, you can see that he, he wants the, the club to do well and he, he wants the team to do well. And he can, can kind of sort of provide a, a leading figure from, from the front. Uh, unfortunately, due to his injuries and due to his age and the way that his career has panned out, his legs are pretty much gone. Uh, he doesn't have any sort of like mobility whatsoever. He, he does have a very, very, very slow uh, max max speed, pretty much. Um, which is not the end of the world. Don't get me wrong. I know those players can have strengths. Uh, and we needed to play to his strengths. And in the end, he did have the best two chances of the game in, in normal time uh, and really should have scored. Uh, at least one of them and it's a real disappointment that he wasn't able to do that I'm sure he'll be more disappointed than anyone probably uh, but overall he, he wasn't the worst player on the pitch he did he did do some very good things from set pieces uh, and, and as I said tried hard uh, but his ability to not score and put those chances away which is exactly why he's in the team pretty much is to score if you're the lone striker you've got to put away chances like that especially in the style that Newcastle play yeah, I think it was really disappointing. You know, those chances he had were like really big, and he had the opportunity to do something special there and have a real impact. And you sort of think that, you know, if Callum Wilson or even Dwight Gale were in the end of those, then they would have been a bit more uh, clinical with those chances. And 
Uh, Andy Carroll's a player I've always quite liked, um, but I think what people think he is is very different from what he actually is. I think, you know, his young years, he did sort of uh, break through and was this player that, you know, this traditional target man sort of style that people liked, but, you know, just injuries have just sort of uh, really ruined his career in a sense and just, just meant that, you know, he's gone back to Newcastle and just not had many games, not had scored goals and just hasn't really actually been able to make an impact. But I think in more people, you look at him on the bench, you think, oh yeah, he could really come on and make an impact. But whether that actually happens is a different story. But um, looking at other, other players in the attack, Elliot Anderson came on to make his uh, Newcastle debut. Um, what did you make of the Scottish Youth International? Yeah, I was really pleasantly surprised that Elliot Anderson got to come on, to be honest with you. I thought the only way he would have come on is if we were either way down or by some miracle way up. Um, so when it was nil-nil, I saw Elliot Anderson coming on, an 18-year-old. I was I was really pleased. Uh, it's very, it's not, uh, Newcastle are not really known for bringing through youth at the moment. Apart from the long staffs, there's been very, very few players come through through the youth academy. Uh, and it's not like where the big teams go to into third round cup games and they're allowed, they're able to use all of their young sort of players and talents. We tend to not do that very often. We don't tend to blood sort of young talent uh, from from the youth teams. Uh, so I was really happy, and I think uh, Steve Bruce's comments about Anand Anderson were were good as well. He was talked about how he's really impressed by his progress and hopes that he can play a, a good role coming up for the rest of the season, which I'd really like to see him being more involved. Because uh, I think he did show glimpses of uh, quality. He came on on the left wing, which was, I don't know really what his natural position. I think he's more of a sort of a, a striker or sort of centre. He's more uh, a striker or a 10, yeah. Yeah. Um, some neat turns, uh, looked lively, good, good passing. Uh, worked hard, which you'd expect from from a young player making his debut, and it is the dream, to be honest with you, for as a Newcastle fan since I was like four or five. It's ridiculous to think to make your debut at nil nil with ten minutes to go away at Arsenal is like it's every kid's sort of dream for uh, for, for Newcastle fans. Uh, so so it was it was really good to see. Actually, I was really pleased. Yeah, I've watched him for Newcastle in the 23s a little bit this season and um, he obviously is a talented player and of the Newcastle players, he's sort of the one sort of keep an eye on and I was hoping that he might get a chance in the first team this season. And, you know, he did, yeah, he, as you say, he looked lively, definitely didn't look out of his depth um, when he came on. Um, and obviously he had that chance to sort of win it in the uh, in extra time, which would have been, you know, the absolute perfect story really, but it wasn't to be. Um, yeah, and then it yeah, it, it did seem to sort of miss hit his shot, which is the only criticism you can give him. But to be honest, you wouldn't expect. It's not like a Carroll missed. The two chances that Carroll missed were were easier to score, and I think he's obviously a really senior, sort of experienced player, uh, professional. Whereas Elliot Anderson, just coming onto the scene, you can forgive him for being maybe a bit excited as the ball fell to him on the edge of the box. Yeah, it's definitely a, a nerve-wracking moment. Um, and a tough one. But looking at the sort of other end of the field, uh, Dubravka started in goal and had a good game. Uh, obviously, Carl Darlow has come in in the Premier League matches uh, in replacement of Dubravka um, and has impressed. So would you, what are you sort of making of that? Yeah, I was really pleased to see Martin Dubravka back. I've, I 
he saved us countless times last season and, and the season before, and he's been proved to be an excellent signing. I mean, from the scouting department, that is really impressive that we managed it. We signed him for four and a half million from uh, I think was it was it Sparta Prague? I, th- I think I think uh, which I didn't. Yeah, I mean, I'm very impressed that we suddenly managed to sort of pick him out of thin air and, and bring him to the club. Uh, and nobody really knew anything about him. And he's come in and from day one, he's been really impressive. He's done really well. And I, I'm really pleased. Uh, on the other hand, Carl Darlow brought him in at the same time as he brought in Lascelles. And he's had to be patient. He's played as a second fiddle a lot to a lot of go- to a few goalkeepers. Uh, but then he got his chance this season due to due to Dubravka's injury. And he's been really, really impressive. I think he's been one of the standout goalkeepers in the Premier League this season, um, uh, if not pr- probably one of the, definitely one of the most standout uh, English goalkeepers in the Premier League this season, uh, along with Nick Pope uh, from Burnley. Um, I, I think rightly so, he's put himself in contention of maybe like an England call-up, hopefully, would be, and I don't think that would be too, uh, I don't think that's me, me getting overexcited as, an, as a Newcastle fan. I think it's, it would be deserved if it did happen. Um with regards to the number one spot going forward, I think Steve Bruce has a real challenge on his hands, to be honest with you. Dubravka had a really good game against Arsenal. I was really happy to see that he looked back to his best uh, after injury, because that's always a worry that players will come back and not be quite the same as they once were. Uh, whereas Darlow has been really well, done really well this season as well, as I mentioned. So, for me, I think Darlow is going to retain the number one at the moment. I don't think you can take it off him, because I don't think he's done anything wrong. Uh and I think he's, as I say, he has been really impressive. Uh, but I, hopefully that will make them both excel as Dubravka will want to get his number one spot back and Darlo will want to retain the number one spot. Uh, and I think it will be really interesting competition. I think it's really good. I think England, uh, I think Newcastle now have one of the strongest sort of goalkeeper pairings, if you can call it that, uh, in, in the Premier League. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a problem for Bruce, but it's a very nice problem to have. Uh, to have to choose between two two goalkeepers who you trust a lot and have quality, um, and then just obviously Newcastle now have been knocked out of both cups um, after you know going to the quarters and Carabao is respectable, but Newcastle haven't particularly done well in the cups over the last couple of years under Ashley. Um, do you think? Um, what have you sort of made that this season? And do you have any hopes of hope going forward, or do you think it's going to be much the same? This this season just epitomised exactly what the cups have been under Ashley uh, uh, and under Newcastle managers for a few years now. Is that they don't actually have carry any importance whatsoever. It seems due to the Newcastle hierarchy. Uh, the Brentford game, they just all the players. To be honest with you, I think you could argue don't seem that interested either. We got dumped out. Uh, at Brentford, which was an excellent opportunity to get to a cup semi-final. It was probably the second easiest draw after Spurs got Stoke. We got Brentford, which was probably the, the second easiest draw. We really could have gone on and made a statement. They did, They rested their best players. We went out and played a decently strong side and got just didn't show any sort of willingness to try and score whatsoever. And it was it was really disappointing. And I think this Arsenal game. Newcastle wouldn't have been expected to win. We went in as the sort of underdogs, well, underdogs to begin with, but at the same time, it was a bit just sort of meh, 
nothing really happened and they didn't really show any sort of desire that much. Do you mean the fact that you were playing Arsenal as a bit of an excuse for Bruce and the club uh, for why you didn't progress further? Yeah, I, I think it. I think it almost is a ready-made excuse for him. I think the, the I I'm maybe being a bit harsh. We, we the way we played against Arsenal was not the worst we played at all this season, but I think it is just an easy way out for him to say, "Oh well, we against Arsenal. It's always going to be a tough game," which it is true. But you go out and you you really should be trying to like at least cause a bit of an upset, maybe change your style of play a little bit, you know. And I don't think we we do that enough. I don't think we vary it enough. And I think clubs are starting to, well, clubs have sort of figured out how to play against us and it, it's fairly easy. And then sort of looking forward, you have United, uh, Sheffield United coming up in the uh, Premier League this week. Obviously, bottom of the table, uh, they won their game in the FA Cup, which is their first win of uh, in a long time, really, um, to get Wilder's 100th win for the club, um, finally. And... Obviously, you know, we talked about this the other day in terms of it's a really important win. Um, and what, how are you sort of viewing this game and what would, yeah, what do you think your chances are? Um, for me, this is an absolute must win. It has to be, like, it's a huge game. But I've seen quite a lot of tweets already and stuff on social media saying, from Newcastle fans saying, oh, I can't wait to see Sheffield United's first league win on, on Tuesday. And I, I think that kind of, it does sort of just encapsulate the entire feeling around the club at the moment. Um, at Newcastle, it's funny, like, since all the time I've supported them, it seems to always be bad with just slight moments of good. Every now and then there'll be a nice sort of uplifting sort of period where we'll do well, and then it's just back to being just disappointing. And I realise that I do sound really depressing when I'm talking about Newcastle, but I'm trying. It, it is tricky. Um but by seven games without a win, this is our eighth. If we make it eight and we lose to Sheffield, I think uh, it's a pretty damning indictment on Bruce's re- sort of regime at Newcastle, and I think uh, it really puts his his managerial sort of position in question. Yeah, I mean, you just mentioned seven games out a win and just under ten hours without a goal from open play, which is a really worrying statistic, and it's going to be even more worrying if that doesn't change against Sheffield United. Yeah, I think it's exposed how much how reliant we are on Callum Wilson. So if he doesn't score for a couple of games, suddenly it just feels as though we don't have any real threat whatsoever. I think we changed back to a five-four-one, which I understood against the the bigger teams. I'd like to see us go back to a back four against um, Sheffield. I'd like to see Joe Linton and Wilson partnering up with each other up front. I think that started to look like a good partnership, and then we've kind of killed that off again. Uh, and I, I think I, as much I don't want to see us go out and like try and score like ten goals. I want to see us have some sort of a game plan though, and I don't want to see us just immediately go in thinking, oh, we'll just defend and then we'll try and score like maybe one on the counter attack if we can. This is a team that we're coming up against that is short of confidence, that has two points out of in, in the season so far, and I think if we do try and like get about them a bit early doors I think you can if you get a goal their their heads will go down and I think Wilder's a good manager and I think they've they did well last season and they still they're a team that 
can still show a bit of belief, but I think it is very tricky for, for teams like Sheffield if they do concede to, to sort of keep your head up and keep your motivation going. And I think it's important that we do that, uh, that we are able to sort of put another nail in the coffin, so to speak. Yeah, I think the thing is Sheffield United will be looking at this game, especially after a win in the FA Cup, which would be a bit of a confidence boost. Um, but they'll be looking at this Newcastle game and thinking this is like where we can turn our season around and this is the opportunity opportunity to get three points and sort of prove to ourselves and to the fans that we can start winning games. Yeah. I mean, for me, I think if I was watching it from a sort of neutral point of view, I would see this nailed on as like a one-all draw uh, or a nil-nil. I can't see it. I don't think either side has the... Well, we the sides have the quality, but I don't think they have the confidence or uh, tactical setup at the moment to to really beat the other. And I think it'll finish uh, as a draw. Uh, what do you think as a sort of neutral? Um, I don't know you were a de- decent Sheffield United fan of their style of play last season, uh, and you've got your Newcastle ties because of me. What what do you think of the? Uh, what do you think it'll how how it'll pan out? It's a weird one. It's really like, you know, neither team, as you said, neither team have any confidence really at the moment. Neither look like a real threat going forward. And, you know, this game could just be like like a really poor game, just really boring. Neither team able to break them down or create anything. Or one team could really step up to the plate um, and get what will be an important result. Um, And I'm... I'd say I'm. I would be nervous for Newcastle's chances. I think, as I said, I think Sheffield United will be looking at this as their chance to uh, build momentum and get important points. And uh, I, you know, I don't have a lot of faith in Steve Bruce um, to really go for it. And, you know, I I agree with you, and I think you should go back to a back four. And I think Joel Linton and Wilson up front is a you know a more than capable partnership who can do good things. Um, and obviously Isaac Hayden will be back on the side as well, which is a big plus. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Do you... Uh, well, I, I think that this is make or break for Bruce. I think if he loses, I don't see how he... I think either either he's got one last strike left or that's him out of strikes and he's going to be... Uh, he's got to be uh, removed from his role as manager. Uh I'd like to think we've looked at alternatives possibly, but knowing the club's sort of hierarchy, I think it's unlikely. Uh, what do you think? What do you, do you think it, that his position becomes? I think neither of us are fans of Bruce. Do you think his position becomes sort of in, in, untenable if, if they lose to Sheffield and they get eight games without a win? And then if we don't score from open play, it'll be over 11 hours without a goal from open play. Yeah, I think there'd be serious, serious worries within the club. And like personally, you know, I don't like seeing managers sacked, um, but I don't, you know, as we talked about before, I, I just don't see where Newcastle is currently going with under Steve Bruce. And there doesn't seem to be much directional progression. And, you know, at the moment, you sort of seem to be going backwards a bit, um, just in terms of not being able to score. And it's not even like you're that much of a set-piece dominant team. Um, and yeah, I think there's definitely a big worry about it. And I think I, I personally I think it would be the final straw for Bruce. I think yeah, that would give you a good platform to uh bring in someone new and someone fresh. Yeah. Well, 
I'm going to be waiting with bated breath and my fingers crossed one way or the other uh, as we go into the, in, in, in that match and I'm sure we'll cover it in the review. Um, we'll move on to Spurs now. Spurs face Fulham on, on Wednesday. Uh, Spurs are on a five-game unbeaten run in all competitions. Uh, this is a great opportunity to carry it on, isn't it? Uh, you've got Sheffield United after Fulham. Um, the two teams who are struggling at the moment uh, towards the bottom of the table. Uh, yeah, and Harry Kane and Son with eight days rest, which is a uh, a big plus, given the fact that they haven't had much of a rest so far this season. Yeah, I mean, it, having uh, both Son and Kane having a decent rest is definitely a rare luxury for us. Um, and it's going to be a big plus for us going into the next few months. And, you know, so far they haven't, neither of them been injured, um, which... Touchwood uh, will continue to happen, and obviously this is an important rest for them. And you know, we're Fulham are an okay, well, not a great run, but they have they've drawn quite a few big games recently, and I think they uh, definitely will be lacking confidence. But um, yeah, I think Fulham are obviously struggling. They don't have a great squad. They're some decent players, um, and I do quite like them, but they're not particularly much of a threat. I think they'll struggle to break us down, and I think if we carry on with our uh, the way we're looking at attack at times and I don't think Fulham are the ones to really just drop deep and uh, try and limit us which is where we tend to struggle and where we struggle to break down low blocks um, I do think that there is a chance for us to see this out fairly comfortably uh, Yeah, you mentioned uh, Fulham's run there now, they're also on a five game unbeaten run uh, in all competitions uh, but four draws in the Premier League in their last four games but including matches against Southampton and Liverpool, who are both uh, impressive teams at the top of the table, obviously. Uh, you talked about how they got a couple of good players. Uh, who do you see as sort of Fulham's main threats uh, to sort of patch Spurs out, so to speak? Um, going forward, I mean, Lookman is probably the biggest threat going forward. He's a talented young player who I do quite like, but... Um... You know, I think he has two goals and two assists for them this season, which isn't a bad return, uh, particularly. Uh, I think Zambo and Gisa in midfield is probably their standout player. I think a lot of their play runs through him, and he's always like a... Uh, he's a bit of a statistics monster. His numbers are always really good for the last couple of seasons, and when he spent last season on loan in uh, I think Villarreal, he was impressive there. And he's continued to um, be noticeable this season for Fulham. Uh, but I think if you limit him and take him out of the game, and put pressure on him, then uh, they'll struggle to really get things going. Yeah, I, 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 I'd, I'd agree. Um, it'd be interesting to see how you approach this game, uh, given the fact that you, you do tend to sit sit back a bit. Uh, but against teams like Fulham, it, it'll be then, as you say, they're not going to sort of hit, sit in a lower block. It's not, it's not likely. But uh, it'll be interesting to see how Jose sets up the team to, to play. Uh, you'd imagine it will be a return to the regular sort of starting eleven. Um, yeah, have you got anything else that you want to talk about uh, with regards to that game uh, before we move on? No, um, I think, as I said, I think it should be a fairly standard, comfortable game. I um, I see it as a very good chance to get three points, and you know we have Sheffield United game after, so it's a good chance to get uh, two wins, build a bit of momentum back. And, you know, we are on a decent run again at the moment. And then we, uh, I think maybe we face Liverpool soon. Um, and I think Liverpool are facing United um, at the weekend, possibly. 
so it's a good chance for us to uh, climb the league table with some good results. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, this, be sure to send any questions you might have our way. Thank you very much for listening.